so excited to be part of the church today. You know, it's been a while since I've been in here, and a while since I've been able to be in the ministry here at Georgetown. And I love the way it looks. It looks good as always. And walked around, looked at the children, looked at the nurseries, and just saw everything that was going on. And I tell you what, I love where we're at. You know, the Bible says something very interesting about ministry. And you've heard me say this before, but I want to reiterate what, what ministry is. Because today, when we look across the ministry chasm, and we look at all over the world, and we look at different types of ministry, and, 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 uh, and how God works. Uh, I'm sure I've told you my story, but I had a, I had a, a vision from the Lord. I was, it was right about Christmas time, and we were, we were on our way back from Charlotte. As we were coming back from Charlotte, we were coming down one of the back roads coming into, uh, you know, uh, Hartsville, but we were coming down one of those back highways. I can't think of the name of the highway. As we're driving home, and uh, I'm sitting in the car, and as I'm sitting in the car, there, there, there was. There's a particular church that that I, I, I do like the minister. I think he's a great minister. But they had gone a certain direction with their church that was not quite what I would do. I, you know, I just, I just don't feel that it's the kind of thing that we as a church should do because I think that it's not what what we've been called to do. And so as I'm as I'm driving, you know, I, I turn on their Christmas show. It's like their Christmas program, and uh, it's in their church, and they're having it with their church. And as they're, they're beginning their program, they have Santa flying in to their church. And uh, elves and reindeers and dancers and all this stuff. And even though I generally like the, the, the ministry itself, I wasn't, I'm not a fan. I'm not flying Santa into my church. Nobody's shouting, but you ought to shout louder than that. I'm not flying Santa into Family Worship Center. And so, so I'm a little discouraged with all that. And that's not the, the route we would go, you know. And so as I'm sitting there, all of a sudden, the Lord takes me out of the car. Now, this is my, my son's here somewhere. Where's my son? Where are you at, Stephen? Is he hiding? Where did he go? He left me. He left me. You know, my son, uh, this is the interesting thing about him. He would wear my shoes. And I'm a ten and a half shoe. And so just a few months ago, he was wearing my ten and a half shoes. We go to the store yesterday, and I had to buy him 12s. So he went to put on shoes this morning in the car. When we get in the car, he can't wear my shoes because normally he would steal mine. And we had to stop at Walmart before we came to church to go buy him some shoes for church this morning. But he was in the car, and he was riding with us in the car. As he's sitting in the car, the Spirit of the Lord took me out of the car. It didn't take long. It was just minutes. I mean, just minutes. I had just, I mean, the Spirit of the Lord picked me up out of the car. I'm no longer in the car. I'm no longer seated inside that car. I'm, I'm out of that car. And I, I'm standing in Myrtle Beach. I'm standing in the water at Myrtle Beach. I'm standing in the water at Myrtle Beach. Now, if you don't believe this, come up with your own story. That's my story. And I'm standing in the water at Myrtle Beach. And as I'm standing there in the water at Myrtle Beach, the, there's, there's swells coming towards me. And uh, I'm, I'm just standing as the swells are approaching me. And then on the other side of me are waves that have gone by, like a wave that had just gone. And then there were other waves that were going. And then there were waves that had reproached the shore, all the way to the point that some of them had dissipated completely onto the beach. And, uh, and uh, as I'm standing there in this water, I hear the Lord say to me, wait on your wave. Wait on your wave. How many of you ever surfed anywhere before? You ever got in the ocean? Some of you don't get in the ocean. You live right on the ocean, won't even get in the water. Amen. I don't blame you. But, this, but if you have ever surfed before or gotten in the water, if you stood out there in the ocean, you always will wait 
on the one that fits you. You'll always wait on the wave that will fit you. You'll wait on the one that's perfect. And you'll just be standing there saying, where's my wave? Where is my wave? And so as I'm standing there, hear the Lord say this, that not not every wave is your wave. Wait on your wave. Not every wave is your wave. And so it helped me because I, I, I could understand what they were doing, but it's not what God called us to do. It's not what God has put in our heart. I don't know about you, but I'm not waiting on a social wave. I'm waiting on a Holy Ghost wave. How many of you are waiting on the Holy Ghost to come and the power of God to move? Lives to be changed. Drug addiction come off of people. And, 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 and prosperity and blessing bless on them. I mean, we're not just in this thing through a social event or a social occasion. This is about the Holy Ghost. And this is about the move of the Spirit. And I'm just so thrilled that we have churches like this one and like Florence and like Charleston and other places that we have decided, you know what? Every wave is not our wave, but there is a wave of the Holy Ghost coming. And if if we would continue to stand in the ocean and wait on the wave that somewhere just around the corner the Holy Ghost is going to show up and the wave we've been waiting on, the power we've been waiting on, the Holy Ghost move we've been waiting on, the healing we've been waiting on, the prosperity we've been waiting on, the overcoming victory we've been waiting on, the deliverance we've been waiting on, the move of God we've been waiting on is just around the corner. God's going to move and He's going to do something great if we can just stay in the water and stay in the power somewhere there's going to be a wave that fits us perfectly and we'll be able to jump in the water and swim that wave of the Holy Ghost and swim that wave to the power and movement of the presence of God stay in the water, stay in the power stay in the anointing and wait on the Holy Ghost to move He's coming in a great and profound way great revival is going to come and we're going to see it we're going to experience it we're going to have it because God wants to do it for Woo! Glory to God. I didn't think I'd be shouting this soon. Glory to God. Look at somebody say, I believe in miracles. And I believe for them for me. Say, I believe in prosperity. And I believe it's for me. It's coming my way. Somebody shout that out. It's coming my way. Promotion's coming my way. Blessing is coming my way. Healing is coming to my house. Healing is going to happen in my family. God is going to restore what the devil tried to take. If God be for me, what does it matter who's against me? Somebody ought to shout out amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Somebody shout a little bit more. We need a little more shout. Go ahead. Praise him like you know he's going to do it. Praise him like you know he's able. He's above all we can ask or think. Oh, hallelujah. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard. It hasn't entered into the heart of a man. The things that God has in store for those that love him. Just shout it out. God's got blessing on the way. God's got blessing on the way. Glory to God. There's a wave. And I'm appreciative of your pastor. You know, I I believe that when we are faithful to God, when we obey the Lord, that in the end, what we've been obedient with, with God, will bring blessing to us. I believe it may take a little while. There might be some roads that turn. You know, I get discouraged with people. They don't understand. Sometimes when you're driving down the road, as you're going, there's a curve. Sometimes there's a curve. 
Well, you know, when you start the curve, you can't always see what's on the other end of the curve. Y'all ever driven down a road you've just never been down before you come to a curve? Well, you don't know what's down there. You don't know if a town's down there. Or you don't know what's around that corner. Sometimes you have to just go around the curve. And then you'll get the way. Then you can see where you're going. Then you can see it. I mean, people get discouraged with God because they can't see around the corner. Get, get, listen, get a little brighter than that. Realize that you can go around the corner and the other side's going to look a lot different than going around that corner. Don't look at what you're going around. Sometimes you get so disturbed sometimes. What's happening with that corner? I can't see. I don't know. Well, he said you don't walk by that. I walk by faith and not by sight. Look at somebody and say, I walk by faith and not by sight. Say that out loud again. I walk by faith and not by sight. Say it again. I walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. They got, we can walk by faith. We can have trust that God knows what he's doing. And as we've been faithful to follow him, faithful to be obedient to him, faithful to him. You know, when we came over here to Georgetown, the vision was wonderful. And it's still amazing what God is going to do. And so we started down the path and things were going so well. And there were changes and all of that. It was difficult, obviously. But we had to make some adjustments. And then, and then I was asked to do something that, that I wouldn't have been my first choice. I'm not saying it was, I, I, here's, here's the thing, sometimes we just have to be faithful. We have to be faithful to the things that we know. And I made a decision over here that I would, that I would do some changes that I would, uh, I, would, uh, I would move in a direction I wasn't sure about and for myself because I was, I was in a position that, that, that this was requ- asked of me, I guess a good way to put it. And trying to do what was faithful and trying to do you know, what was honorable and, and doing what I did, it didn't work out like I wanted to. And so I had to make a decision about that choice. And so, you know, we had to make a, 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 a quick decision about what we had here. And I don't need to go in detail, but I had a 25-year-old, 26-year-old sitting in my office that was working for me faithfully, that had been in there faithfully. Now, I knew when I put him in, when, when the Lord told me, because I had to make a change, that he was too young to do it. Somebody ought to shout out amen. amen. I mean, I knew. And I, I even told him, I said, I, I just know that this is the right thing to do, but the timing might not be right at this moment. But just because the timing's not right at that moment doesn't mean the timing won't be right. Somebody ought to shout out amen. amen. Somebody ought to understand. And, and so I just knew that he would be all right if we could get him over there and, and we get a few people to hang out with him. You know, I've just started driving with my son. Has anybody taught anybody to drive before? Have you ever your kid? Your kid, isn't that a pleasure? Uh, wasn't it the greatest thing you've ever experienced? You know, I've just my son. He starts at fifteen. We just got his learner's permit. Now, the first few, few you know, because it's been about two weeks now, two or three weeks. We get him in the car. And how many of you, when you had your kid, your child get in the car, did you have to drive? You know, you reach over and grab the steering wheel. Have you ever had to drive a reach over and grab the steering? Wheel? I was so proud of him. I was so proud of him. I got him in the car. And for the first two weeks, we had had no problem. I, mean, I have not had to touch the steering wheel. I was so proud of him. I said, Steve, normally you have to, parents have to reach over and grab the wheel. He's like, he's, yesterday he's talking to me so proud. Dad, you hadn't had to grab the wheel once. He's smiling. You hadn't had to grab the wheel once until this morning. He's driving to church. He just lost his brain. I don't know where it went. It just vacated the car. All of a sudden, we're headed straight for the ditch. 
I reached over, grabbed the wheel, yanked it back onto the road. He's like, what, 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 what happened, what happened? I said, you about killed us. Parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I can't have my wife in the car. If I put my wife in the car, it's, a, it's just a, it's, she's grabbing everything in the car. She's all over the car. Stop, stop, oh, please stop, please stop, stop. This is all true. But I know this, you parents that have let your children drive, I don't think you grab the wheel anymore. I don't even think you ride with them anymore. They drive their own car. But at first you grab the wheel. I know i got to grab the wheel now, but there's going to be a day when I'll actually get out the car. And he will drive down the road and I will not be in the car. Mama will not be there to scream. We knew when we started that there was a wheel holding time. Somebody ought to say amen. That you had to hold the wheel. But we also knew there was a day when you'd take your hand off the wheel and he'd have to drive the car for himself. Somebody ought to shout out amen. I've driven my own car over there in Florence. You know, I've run some people off. You know, people have left my church because of me. Don't look at me all funny like that. I know you wouldn't believe that, but as the pastor of the church, it might surprise you. I actually have run people out of my church. I didn't do it on purpose. It wasn't my intention. I wasn't trying to run anybody off. I would never want anybody to leave my church. I would do everything in my power to keep them to stay. I'll write them letters and call them, please don't leave. See where I'm coming from? But it's time for me to drive the car and hit some potholes. It's time for me to drive and make some mistakes. But I've gotten better and better and better and better and better. And even though I'm not, you know, that even though you can't be perfect, you can be something else. My choice to be faithful in decisions with leadership in my life made an impact in my life. And it has made an impact and will make an impact in this church because now he's not 25. Now he's not just first married. Now he's got a daughter that's a little bit older. He's coaching soccer now. Somebody ought to say amen. Now he knows what it's like for another parent to yell at him. And he knows what it's like when his daughter doesn't make the goal. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? Here's what we can say about this. The Bible says that a man be found faithful. That a man be found faithful. That a man be found faithful. It didn't say that a man would be found energetic. It did not say that a man would be found flipping off the ceiling tiles. It did not say that he would be the best at this or the best at that. It said that for a man to go in ministry, he had to be faithful. Faithful means that he would be committed to teaching a word that was best for the people. Faithful means that he would be an honorable man that would not lie, cheat, steal, divulge, uh, 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 dishonor. That he would be faithful in the ministry in every way and that God would honor the faithfulness of the man. You see, you guys know, listen, if we wanted to, we could do all kinds of social things and we could fly Santa into the church today. But that won't change people because God said it's that a man be found faithful. That a man be found faithful. He didn't say he would be perfect. I don't make every funeral at my church. I don't make every uh, 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 outgoing something or another. Every phone call that comes in, I don't. the phone lines may be down. I don't always get to answer them. It didn't say that you would always answer the phone or you always do a funeral. That you're, We're going to make mistakes. As a matter of fact, I think Family Worship Center is the worst funeral happening church in the world. Y'all laugh if you want to. Be mad if you don't. But I just get up in my church and tell them, we're terrible at this. If you know another church does funerals better than us, let them do it. 
I know that sounds awful, but you know, if I'm not good at something, you understand? And we can get better, and we need to grow at these kinds of things. But he didn't say it's how good you did a funeral. He said it was a man faithful in the ministry. Was he faithful to, to the objective God called him to be faithful to? Was he, was he constant in his belief? And I'm not just talking about the way he preaches. You know, I've seen a lot of people just go to church. You know, some people just go to church because that's where their family go. My uncle preaches there. My grandfather's over there. My great-grandfather's in the cemetery. Somebody say amen. That's not why you go to church. Our choice to go to church has nothing to do with where we eat afterwards. It's not about social relationship. It's about is the man found faithful. I, I mean, I want to sit under someone that I, not only, not, that I know not only teaches me the word, but he lives the word. I want to sit under somebody that's not in, uh, breaking the lock off of his electric bill and tearing the meter off so he can have electricity on Sunday or whatever. I want somebody that actually pays the bill. I want somebody that has money in the bank that I know that they pay all their bills, get it all done, that the bank's not in debt. Listen, this church is not in debt. This church is not in debt at all. I Listen, he just gave me the books. I got the books. I know exactly. The books are at the accountants now. I know exactly what this church looks like. Let me tell you something. This church is awesome. Everything here is awesome. What he's done is awesome. Because he's been faithful. When you think about this and you think about your choices, it's not about the emotion or the, or, or the hype of the building. It was that man faithful in ministry. Has he been faithful to the things of God? Has he been committed to the things of God? Has he been committed to the people of God? And I tell you now, great things are here. And great things are about to happen because now a faithful man has stepped into a position where people are now calling him. And saying, will you come speak to our event? Will you come to our thing? Will you come and open the door to us? They say it takes about seven years for a ministry to become full-fledged in a community. About seven years. Why? Because it takes that long for people to become trustworthy. For a pastor to become trustworthy. Listen, we, we are not, we're just getting started and a young man who started that was starting off as a very young man who somebody said he can't make it listen i'll tell you what we might have hold, held the wheel for a little while but now we're on our own and things are happening and the church is going up and things are moving forward and this is not some half done pastor telling you this i'm not some half-baked guy i've been doing this for a while now i've been in it my whole life i've seen pastors come and go i've seen massive churches disappear and it's because the men in those churches were not faithful to the things of god churches have come and gone in this area churches have moved pastors have left places have fallen apart had affairs all kind of messed up mess think about where you are think about the church in Florida, in, in georgetown Think about the ministries that left because they were having affairs and, their, and, their, and all the messes that were going on because they weren't accountable to anybody. They weren't answering to anybody. There was nobody looking over the top of them. They answered to no one. Yeah, they were part of a denomination and they had some denominational name, but they didn't have somebody that looked in their life and said, let me know what you're doing. Talk to me about your marriage. Where are you at? Where are your finances? What are you doing? Somebody needs to answer to somebody. And thank God you've got a faithful man who answers the call of God. God every single day. You ought to be shouting about your past. You ought to be thanking God for that man. I didn't come to build Justin today. But I just get up here and I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited about what I see. I'm excited about where this church is. I'm excited about the way it looks. I'm excited about it. And I get in here and I'm excited. I'm ready to put new stuff in again. We're going to come throw some more money in. Because I love the faithfulness. 
every Monday, almost every Monday, I shouldn't say every Monday, he's got things that happen in his family, but he comes to Family Worship Center and sits down. We go out to lunch and go talk and spend time together and we commune and relate so he can be faithful. Folks, I want to tell you something. That is the ultimate in ministry. That will keep affairs and problems out of your church. That will solve issues in your family. And what happens in their family, I always say this, whatever happened in our church, let it happen to me. If it's in this house, let it be in my house. Listen, you want what's in this house. You want what's in this house. As I was getting ready, I've been preaching on the sermon from Mark chapter 4, chapter 3. Turn over with me. Let's go over here. Turn in your Bibles with me. Go over with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. This goes back to my original thought. Not every wave is our wave. Not everything that's going on is what we're... And you know, when you think about waves, they could start thousands of miles away. They literally start off the coast of, you know, if they're coming here, they may start off in India or wherever. And over in India, it might just be a little ripple. But as it goes through, the, the, the energy of that, of that wave is built over time. Waves get uh, wind that, in, that, in, that enlarges them and all kinds of things. But the energy of that wave continues across the ocean thousands of miles. Literally thousands of miles. And the reason it can do that is because the ocean is so deep that the wave depth doesn't allow you to see it. You'd be looking at it, it just looks like a little ripple that goes across the deep ocean. And what causes the wave to be visible is as it comes into the shore, the, 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 the tide is forced upward. That, that, that wave is forced upward because of, the, of, the, of the, uh, the land and how the land is. As the land goes up, that wave has to have somewhere to go. It has to be somewhere visible. And so even though it started thousands of miles away, you won't see it until the land forces it to come up out of the ocean surface because it has nowhere in depth to go. It has to come up. It has to come up out of the surface. And so in this case, when we think about our church and we think about what we're doing, we have to try and, and dis- d- disciple what is it that we're trying to say? What is it that this church teaches? What are the things that are most important? And found in this Mark chapter 4 is a, a parable of the sower. We find this parable of the sower. And, and it tells us something that's extremely important for every single one of you to understand and to get the point of. And, 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 and so are you there Mark chapter 4? Everybody yell out if you're there. Say, I'm at Mark chapter 4. All right, I only hear about three of you. I'm at Mark chapter 4. Listen to this. I'm just going to read this first part, starting at verse 1. And he began to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship. And he sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them, In doctrines, hearken, and behold, there went a sower to sow, and it came to pass... As he sowed, some of the seed fell by the wayside, and the fowls came by the air and devoured that up. And then he said, some of the seed fell on stony ground, and because there was no depth in earth, but when, they, when the sun was up, it was scorched. It had no roots, and it withered away. And some of the seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up, and it choked it out, and it yielded no fruit. But there was another that fell on good ground, and it did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60, and some a hundredfold. So we know from this story of all the grounds, of all those four grounds, only one of those grounds produced. 
It didn't all produce a hundredfold because but there are different levels of growth. There are different levels of fruit bearing. And so they, but, it, but the only ground that showed production was good ground. And when he was done and alone, the twelve asked him of this parable and said unto him, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but unto them that are without, all these things are parables. Now what that's saying is, is they're just not understood. It doesn't mean that he was trying to hide anything from us. How many of you understand God doesn't hide anything? It's visible. He's saying to them, in an agricultural society where you live, where things are planted and things grow, that there's a season for growth and there's grounds for growth. And that this is the most important thing you can understand. This, that seeing you may see and not perceive, and hearing you may hear and not understand, lest at any time you should be converted from the sins forgiven. And he said unto them, verse 13, I'd highlight this. I would highlight this. I'd put a highlighter on it if you've got your Bibles. If you've got a Bible on, on, on your iPad or your phone, highlight this. And he said to them, know you not this parable, then how would you know the rest? If you don't know this one, then you don't know the rest. If if you know this one, you know the rest. In other words, he's saying to us, what you're going to learn with this parable is the single most important thing you can learn in the Bible. If you want to understand the rest of these parables. If you want to understand the mysteries that I'm trying to teach to you, you must understand this one. Now think about how important that makes this. That makes this of the utmost importance. I can't, I, I, the fullness of my revelation of God is limited to what I get from this principle, from this parable. If you don't know this one, now this is Jesus talking. If you don't know this one, I mean, I mean I, then it would be important for us to understand what this is trying to teach. Then he goes on to explain what these four things are. The sower sowed the word. And these are they by the wayside where word was sown when they heard the word. Now realize everyone in this whole scripture heard the word. They heard the word. It's given in multiple different ways. It's given in this church every Sunday. It's given in this church. The opportunity to hear it is in this church. The opportunity to be here, to hear the word of God. This is the most important, the most important thing You can get from the scriptures to understand the scriptures to understand is this thing. Number one, some people don't come to church because they don't see the value. And yet Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. They only see it as a convenient moment for them. The church is just when I feel like being here, when nothing else matters, when I don't have a vacation plan, because how would it be? I mean, I couldn't actually plan a good vacation without taking Sunday off and making sure I was back to my house on Monday, because church doesn't mean that much. Now, I know I got Friday and Thursday, and I could take off my job, or I could do other things, but you know, hearing the Word of God isn't really that important. Now, nobody's shouting in here, because you know I'm preaching real good now. We were shouting a minute ago. But now we're talking about you. Somebody say, point to yourself, say, I'm talking about you. Talking about you. That it's just an occasional thing when I feel like being in the house of God. If I want blessings from God, if I want inheritance from God, if I want healing from God, if I want deliverance from God, if I want my family restored, if I want my health to maintain, if I want all, then, then this is, you have to understand, some people come in and they don't hear the word at all. It could be, you could be sitting in church And you could have a problem with the way we did the light show. Or the words on the screen. Or what Pastor Justin wore. Or you could be mad about how we looked. Or we could have issues like racial problems. You come in and say, I'm not sitting under that white man. 
Oh, don't laugh about that in Florence. I have to deal with it all the time. I, I mean, we have 1,800 people that go to Family Worship Center. There's an average of 1,100 people every Sunday that come to the church. And when we sit there, most of the people in that church have been attacked one way or another about race. That's a fact. You come to a multiracial church like this, when you open the doors, there are people that are going to tell you, why would you sit under that white guy? Somebody ought to say amen. I, I thank God it is not here. And I, when I say it, everybody gets all tense. Oh, he did not just talk the way. Well, it would be just as, it's just as equally as bad under any conditions. Listen, I had riots in the streets over there when we started. When we opened Family Worship Center and we opened the doors, there was never, there was no one that had a multicultural church in 2000 in Florida, South Carolina. They literally would come and paint our buildings in the morning with graffiti. They literally painted the building with graffiti. I had to paint the building in the morning before church. I'd roll up in my car, 6 a.m. in the morning. I'd be out there with a roller, rolling the building. They would destroy cars in the parking lot, cuss each other out, and you'd think, what? See, because all of a sudden we were going against things that people are, that, that you, you know, hey, somebody ought to say amen right there. You know, when you start talking about it, everybody wants to hide. They all want to hide. They all want to hide about it. We got this under thing going on, and here's what, you know, we're doing this, but this is what's really true. We're doing this. Everybody sees this, but this is what's really going on. We're doing this, but this... I might make everybody in here bad, but if you're in an all-white church and no African-Americans are in there, no Spanish people, then you don't want them. Ain't nobody shouting, but it's true anyhow. If it's an all-white church, it's because they hadn't gone after anybody but white folks. Oh, I know. I'm about to shut it down now. I'm about to shut it down now. What's he talking about? You'll have what you desire. You'll have what you desire. The Bible says you'll have what you desire. You'll have what you desire. If you don't have it, it's because you don't desire it. Oh, I'm preaching real good now. It's true in black church too. You go to black church, you don't see no white folk. It's because they hadn't gone after the white folk. Don't say, well, white people won't go there. That's a lie. They'll go wherever the word is. The Bible says you feed them and they'll stay there. If you put food in the ground, they'll stay there. If you put food in the ground for people, they will stay there. That might go against everything you've ever heard. And it might make you mad, but it's the truth. Jesus came for the world. He didn't come for the white man. He didn't come for the black man. He didn't come for the Hispanic man. He didn't come for the Jewish man. He came for the man. And every person sitting in the house of God is a spirit living inside of a body that has a mind, will, and emotion. We are to control our mind. We are to put our mind into the Word of God. God doesn't have racism. God doesn't have individual color. God doesn't. When we get to heaven, it will be filled with spirits of men. You are a spirit living in a body and you have a mind, will, and emotion. God calls out to spirit men. When we reach out with the Holy Ghost, it should change people's lives. Something's wrong when we talk about the Holy Ghost, but we can't love each other. By this shall all men know you are my disciples if you love glory to God that's what I'm talking about faithful I just felt like saying it I just felt like saying it if you know this woo, glory to God y'all making me feel like preaching now Listen, I know this, when the word comes, if you'll hear the word, if this morning you'll hear what I'm trying to say, because this ain't Steve McCart preaching. I'm just telling, I've asked the Lord, let, let you come out of my mouth today. Let you speak out of my mouth today. God, let you do what you want to do today. And I mean it, I, I just tell you. But when the word comes, he said, if you get this parable, if you get this one, if you get this one, you wonder why racism exists? Because too many people have been religious and not saved. 
Too many people have been in church and not the church. We're not just called to be in church. We're called to be the church. You are the church. You are the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God lives in you. It doesn't live in four walls. We're not called to be in the church. We're called to be the church. And when that gets in you, that word will get in you. It will transform you. It will change your mind. It will change your thinking. It will change your attitude. It will change the way you do business. It will change how you step, how you walk, how you talk, how you act. God can transform you. He said, I'll transfer you from that kingdom into my kingdom. I'll take you from that mess, and I'll put you in my blessing. I'll move you from that situation, and I'll put you in this one. I'll transform you. I'll transfer you. Because eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it entered in the heart of a man. The things that God has in store for those that trust him. I trust him. Change me, God. Fix me, God. Help me, God, because I want some seed and I want some fruit in Jesus' name. Glory to God. If you get this one. The transformative power of God is found right here. In understanding this one. The change for nations. The change for politics. The change for your city. The change for your church. Is found right here. And these are they which by the wayside were sown. But when they heard Satan came immediately. To take away the word. Number one, the most important thing, the single most important thing you will ever get from church is not the song service. I like a good song service. We're in faith. We know what was, I mean, we need this to grow. We need your music to increase. We need band members to come, all that stuff. But if they came and didn't get no word, then we wasted our time. May as well have Beyonce. We did not come for entertainment. We did not come for just information. Faith doesn't just come by having heard. It comes by having heard and having heard. It's not just the information, but that the information leaves the head and goes to the heart. We came so that the word would get here, but end up here. The single most important thing we will ever get from the house of God is the Word of God. And it is my belief that you ought to have a Word that brings you out. You ought to have a Word that brings you up. You ought to have a Word that builds on you and and strengthens you and encourages you and edifies you and builds your faith so that you can believe better tomorrow than you believe today. You ought to have a Word that will put faith in your heart. You ought to have a Word that will tell you God is good all the time and all the time God is good. Somebody said that God is good all the time and all the time God is good. Say it again. God is good all the time and all the time 
God is good. You might not think it made a difference in your life, but we don't know what life could have been without it. We don't know what could have happened around the corner. We don't know where you turned that God's angels were right there. And when you turned that corner, you could have been dead. But God stopped that car and God stopped that truck. You don't know when you walked out in the ditch if a dump truck could have run you over. But God stopped the dump truck. God turned them at the last turn. You don't know about your paycheck. They might have was going to fire you, but God gave you a favor. You don't know how God brought you out. You don't know how God turned it all around you know that guy was looking through the portals of time and said i got away i got away i got away i got away sometimes i think we don't shout enough sometimes we just don't shout enough we don't praise enough we don't understand some of you christians have become so complacent you think everything's just all right and that life just treats you the way it treats you that is not true god is for you and if god be for you what does it matter who's against you you don't understand god kept you every day you could have lost your mind you could have shot yourself in your head somebody could have shot you at the grocery store you just don't know but you ought to know you ought to know if god be for me it just does not matter what's against me. Some of y'all don't shout a little bit more. You ought to thank God that it wasn't worse. Just come on, shout a little bit. Thank God it wasn't worse. Thank God it wasn't worse. Your son could have been dead. Your daughter could have been dead. Some of y'all ought to be praising God a whole lot more. You thought that accident was just a, oh, that's just a miracle. No, you don't know how God brought you through. You don't know how God kept his hand on your life. I I just feel like you need to understand. I don't want to leave here today and anybody not understand what I'm talking about. You just don't understand. You could have been crying for years and years and years and years. You could have been weeping with only a picture on your mantle, but God kept his face in your face, kept his hand on your hand and what could have been disaster God said I'm not going to let that be disaster for if God be for us what does it matter who's against us glory to God glory to God you've got something to praise him for you've got something to thank him for you've got something to shout about You might be sitting there thinking, you don't know my situation. You don't know what I'm in. I know where you are, and I know it could be different. I know where you can go, and I know you can be different. If God be for me, if God be for me, somebody ought to shout out amen. amen. Glory to God. If you know this, if you know this, how important is the word? Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God oh God let me get in your house let me get in your doors oh let me sit in here God put inside the man God put in his mouth oh Lord I don't want to go and have another dry service put it in his mouth God put it in his heart Lord when he sits down to study Put it in him. Put it in him. Put it in him. Anoint him. Anoint him. Anoint him. God, touch him. Touch him. Touch him. He's not just a normal man. He's not just another man. He's a man with the word of God. I thank you, God. He'll speak what I need. I thank you, Lord. One word can change everything. I thank you, God. You'll turn it all around. 
I thank you that he'll speak my future by the Spirit of God. I thank you, Lord, there'll be declarations in him. I thank you, God, you'll anoint his family, make his marriage work, keep his dog safe, take care of his kids so that he can preach me the word. Because the most important thing that I can ever get is the word of God from the house of God. Glory to God. Put your hands up and thank you. Come on, just thank you. I'm almost done. I'm preaching real good. I don't want to quit yet. Sit down, sit down. And there were some that were stoned on stony ground. God's part is to get us the word. The most important thing we get is the word. The single most important thing the devil can do. What the devil wants to do with every temptation. What the devil wants to do with every trial. What the devil wants to do every time you face the opportunity for growth in the word. He wants the word to grow in you. God does. The devil wants to take the word from you. His entire objective is to rip you from the word of God. Anybody ever wake up on Sunday morning and your car worked great Saturday? It worked great Friday. It worked great Thursday, but you hit the key Sunday morning. You thought that was an accident? You thought that fight you had with your wife on the way to church was an accident? Nobody shouting. I preached the word. Last week, I preached the word. I'm a preacher. I've been praying, seeking, speaking in tongues. Got in the car. And all-out war happened. I got to preach. Because the devil wants to take the word from your life. He works day and night to steal the word. And the reason is, is because when God spoke, he said this. He said, let there be light in Genesis. And he spoke to us. He said, let there be light. That wasn't the sun, moon, and stars. Not on day one. On day one, it was light from darkness. Light from darkness. Literally, on day one, when God said, let there be light, he was saying, I want to illuminate. I want to illuminate what already exists in me in the universe. I know that went over somebody's head. Maybe you didn't quite get that. Because there's not one problem you'll ever face. Not one situation, not one challenge, not one, not one thing that you will ever face that God didn't already see it. And not only did he see it, but at the moment he saw that it was there, he created the answer to the problem. not standing in something God don't know. You're not in a condition God hadn't seen. He's not surprised by your situation. Oh God, do you know where I'm at? God knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly what you're facing. He knows exactly what you're seeing. He knows exactly what's going on in your marriage. He knows exactly what's happening in your kids. He knows your money. He knows it. No surprise. No mystery. But when he spoke light, he said, I'm going to take what's in me. The Bible said he spoke 
light. Now you got to understand something. What he spoke what, what ha, was what has always existed and what will always exist. He spoke his word. He spoke his word. So what already was in him, what already existed in his life, in his knowledge, in his understanding. Oh, he's so big I can't understand him. But he's so big that everything he already knows, he spoke words. The Bible uses the word, the word spoke there is the word said. Said words. He spoke light. So that was what, it, what was in darkness. See, I, I, uh, I could walk around my house uh, in the church when I walk in. It's totally dark. There's no light in the church. And to get the light switch is like a mile. You got to walk up a sound booth. You got to walk through doors. You got to get, you got to search your way through. Anybody know what I'm talking You ever been there in the woods? Whatever it may be. You know there's chairs there. You know there's stuff. And you, you can't see them. You can't see, you can't, it's not visible, right? You're just dark. But I can take my little flashlight and go. And now I've separated darkness from light. But what's interesting is when I separate darkness from light, I can see what I could not otherwise see. What exists becomes visible. When the word of God came and God said, let there be light, what would have been invisible became visible. What was in him was enlightened to man. Then stars, fish, moon, sun. Every problem in your life has already been solved. Every answer already exists. But when the word comes, it illuminates to you what you couldn't see in your senses. What was invisible to your senses, taste, touch, feel, hear, see, and smell, can only, and I'm talking about supernatural, I'm talking about supernatural recovery supernatural faith that God's word when it becomes light to my spirit can become light to my head and what was invisible to me revealed to my spirit can become visible to my sight to my hearing to my thoughts see when he says I had not seen ain't nobody shouting yet but you should be shouting you should be dancing right now you should be, I mean, you just be leaping right now. I have not seen. Ear hath not heard. Whew. 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 Neither has it entered into the fleshly heart. The things that God has in store. He already made a brighter future. He already made a bigger path. He's already increased your opportunity. Don't let the world and the devil try and steal that from you. The devil comes to steal the word. Because if you really get the word, 
We won't have hate problems in church because you'll have gotten forgiveness. We won't have discourse in the church because we've gotten his word. I mean, think about how far I'm talking about. Every malady in life has been solved and exists in the word of God. It exists in the word of God. I want to get to two more points and then I'm finished. These are they likewise that fell on stony ground, who, when they heard the word, immediately received it. They were even glad about it and had no root in themselves. Endured for a little time, and afterwards, when affliction came, persecutions arose for the word's sake, immediately they were offended. And these are they which were sown among thorns. They heard the word, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things entered in, choked out the word, and it became unfruitful. And then there are those. That the word was sown in good ground. Here's my question to you. What kind of ground are you? What kind of ground are you? There's nothing worse. I've, I've stood in my church now with all the people that are there. And all the people that are sitting there. We'd have the best song service ever. People dancing, falling out in the power of the Holy Ghost. Folks getting healed. Stuff. Just amazing things happen. And then I look over to the left. And see that hater. I'm just being honest. Brother Justin, you ever been in your church? Don't tell who it is now. Have you ever stood up and preached and think they hate my guts? He's not going to say yes, but I promise you it's true. I made them mad last week. They just don't like me because the devil wants to steal the word. I don't know why I brought that up. I just felt like bringing that up. I've, sat, I've preached from the pulpit and people just come in and it's like there's a duty to be there. I mean, if I'm going to come to church, if I'm going to be in the house of God, if I'm going to be standing, if I've got to show up at 1030 on Sunday morning, then I'm going to have a better attitude than that. I'm just, I'm just going to have a better, I'm going to come, make up my mind, I don't care what he wears, how he feels, I don't care what his wife does, I came to get a word, I'm going to have a great attitude, I'm going to bring my Bible, I'm going to bring a highlighter, and if he's only got one word out of a thousand, let it be for me. I don't know. I just, I just thought I'd throw that in. That was free. That didn't cost a dime. That didn't even, no extra offering for that one. The key to understanding all the principles, all the thoughts, is to understand the value of the Word of God to your life. To understand the value of what you receive when you choose where you're going to receive the Word. To understand the value of the faithfulness of the men and women that stand there. I've sat in churches where people preach messages and the whole church was running around and afterwards you said, what did you learn? And they'd say, I don't know, but it sure was good. <laughs> They've done survey after survey on church growth to find out why churches grow. And crazy enough, this is the most amazing thing about church growth. And I pray that you remember my sermon. I pray that some point will maintain in your life. But they have done research to find out that people make a decision whether or not they'll ever come to a church within eight minutes of arriving. Now, that may not seem like anything to you because you think the preacher and the singers and all that are important, but they care about whether or not there's trash in the parking lot. They care whether or not the person that greeted them at the door was friendly or unfriendly. They care about when they drop their kid off in the nursery, did they take my kid with love and respect? Did, can I trust them with that or not? They care when they walk in here, did they sweep the carpet or does it look like, you know, if you can't take care of your church sign, I don't think you can take care of me. I mean, I'm talking about my eternity. You're talking about taking care of the front door. You can't even wipe down the front door. Oh, that's just me. I'm just saying. But the most important thing you'll ever receive 
is the word of God that you get. But they've done these surveys. They found out that people don't remember the first song. Do you guys remember, if you first, how many of you remember the song service on your first Sunday? Raise your hand. All the songs that were sung. You know the names of them? You know all the names? You know the songs? How about the sermon? Anybody remember the first sermon and what he preached on? Wow! Justin, they hadn't heard a word, a word that you said, son. <laughs> I could go from church to church to church to church to church to church to church and usually there is one who will raise their hand on a song service. There might be one that remembers some scriptures read in a sermon. But every one of them could tell you the face of the person they met at the front door. Anybody remember who you met at the front door of Family Worship Center? Raise your hand. Anybody remember the nursery worker? Now a lot of you aren't raising your hand because you're stubborn. But the truth is everybody remembers who met them, who treated them, the usher, the greeter, the way they passed out the bucket. You see where I'm coming with this? I'm saying to you that we need to do everything in our power. You as a church need to do everything in your power to ensure that a person who comes to Family Worship Center of Georgetown can receive the word. It's not about you all the time. It's not just about how you felt on Sunday. He said, go you into all the world and preach the gospel, declaring unto them the kingdom of God. Listen to me. You're not only to receive the word, you're supposed to give the word. And giving the word makes sure that you've done your part in the house of God, that you provided yourself in the house of God to make sure that those who come don't have to worry about the problems in the house of God. You say, what's my part? Do something for God so they can receive the word. It's very good, isn't it? Am I supposed to give millions? Well, maybe you don't have millions. Give your faith. Give your... Okay, I got to keep going. Seeds. Listen to this. I'm almost done. Almost done. So look at somebody and say, he's almost done. It's not even 12 yet. What time does he let you go? Tell the truth. Are you a long-winded preacher? You bore him? <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's a joke, by the way. My wife always harasses me about my preaching, so. She wants me to go about 25 minutes. I can't do 25 minutes. I just can't do it. Y'all aren't shouting because you're ready to go. That's why. All right. First on Stony Place. Let's start with Wayside. Wayside soil represents those who never really hear the Word of God or understand it. The Word of God must be understood before it can truly bear fruit. One of Satan's chief works is to keep men in darkness regarding the understanding of the gospel. Satan always, always is on the, on the path to hinder the word. He always is afraid that you will leave with truth. And when you do, your mind will be changed and your life will too. Amen. On stony places, as seed falling on the stony soil, on the top of the stony places, see like the wayside would have been where we had a path, like cars running over something like cement. You can't plant there. It doesn't grow. And that people come in that way. People don't come that way. On stony places, a seed that fell on thin soil on the top of stony places, quickly springing up, and then quickly the weather comes and dries them out. So some of the seed, or some, respond to the Word of God with immediate enthusiasm, and yet we don't see them. Have you ever seen anybody come to your church and they walk up and say, This is it! This is the church! I know! Ow! Have you ever seen that, Brother Justin? This is it! I know when they tell me that, this ain't it. (laughs) They're on their way out. Because somebody who really wants to know is coming to observe the word. They're coming to hear the word. It's not going to be exactly what you've always been taught. Nobody teaches perfect. Nobody. Nobody. Not your favorite preacher don't teach perfect. But what do you get? 
And so they come in. I got to finish. The soil represents those who receive the word enthusiastically. And they are not willing to endure tribulations and persecutions because of the word. Spurgeon said it this way. He made a good point. I want you to clearly understand that the fault did not lie in the suddenness of their supposed conversion. Many sudden conversions have been among the best to have ever received or ever happened. The problem was not the sudden growth or the sudden conversion. It was the lack of depth. Tribulation is a general term for suffering which comes from outside. Persecution is deliberately inflicted and usually implies religious motive. So you get persecution and tribulations from within the church. More people have left church over church people. The devil comes. <laughs> I got to go here. It's not just on a weekly basis, a monthly basis, a yearly basis. It could be 20 years. How many of you understand the devil does not quit coming? The Bible said he went away from Jesus when he was in the desert and waited for a more opportune time. Some of the things that you've allowed to live in your heart, attitudes towards people, things that you have, ways that you've been treated, ways you think other people treated you, you have sealed them inside of you and just wait for the next guy to do the same thing. If you stay long enough, they will actually inflict the same damage to you the last place did because it wasn't them inflicting the damage, it was you receiving it. He did the same thing. To you, not to the other 700, just to you, not to the other thousand in the building. He just did it to you. Oh, that is good. Because if you didn't cure the problem with the word, <laughs> mm, 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 that's good teaching. That embedded problem will eventually arise again. The same family hurt you had before. There it'll be. The same condition. There it'll be. Because the problem's not the one inflicting the problem. It's the one receiving the problem. See, if I live with forgiveness and the word comes to me, I can't have conflict between me and you. I'm not allowed to live in conflict. I'm not allowed to have tribulations from within the house of God. I've made up my mind that if you tell me to park off that spot, I'll move my car and shut up. If you move me in the prayer line, I'm not going back to my seat. I still got to get prayed for. Oh, I'm preaching real good. I'm preaching real good. Because I didn't come for you. Oh, no. No, 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 no. The most important thing. I don't care much for him, but boy, he does preach a good word. I'm preaching so good. You got to get that stuff out of there because a few years down the road, you'll find somebody else that come to church and will support your negativity. I mean, no, when we get it disrupted, when our life gets, I don't mean to keep preaching, but I just feel like it. Is that all right? Y'all ain't got nowhere to go. I'm only over here once in a blue moon. You'll be all right. People that get hurt in church always look for those who will come and support the hurt. We need to justify our decision about the church because something went wrong. He changed. He changed. He's not the same. When I went there, he was different. The anointing was on him. He's not the same. The music is different. There's just no presence no more. And they tell everybody they can, oh, if you only knew what I know. 
And if you say, what do you know? Well, I can't really tell. That's private. I would never want to rat anybody out. I'm not, I'm not like that. Now, just look at my eyes. They say everything you need to know. Come on. Throw fits. And why? Because if I can get you to stop hearing the word that you need. You might not need it today, Justin. But on Tuesday, a year from now, when you're in the hospital and they're telling you you have cardiac cancer or you've got lymphoid disease or you've got some disease in your body and you haven't been there to hear faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. It doesn't stay in you. It has to keep coming in you. It says faith comes by hearing and 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 those days see the seed dries up. How many of you know when you go outside I got apple trees and orange trees. I've got all these trees in my yard right now and the fruit's growing up on them. In just a few weeks the fruit's going to fall off and those trees will have no fruit because it's not the season for the fruit. Sometimes you've got to get enough word in you so the fruit can come up. But if you're not in a place, if you're not in that place, if you're not under that anointing, the fruit will dry up. And you got it gladly. You got it gladly. You came in. You were so excited. Tribulation comes as a general suffering, which comes from persecution is deliberately inflicted and usually implies a religious motive. Falling away is literally being tripped up. I was skipping and laughing and joking and humming and hollering. And all of a sudden, I didn't see it. I got tripped up. I got the word loved it when I heard it. But I got tripped up. I hope I'm preaching good today. Come on. Come on. It's not a gradual loss of intensity or interest but a collapse under pressure. Skipping and hopping and hooping. I didn't realize my critical spirit. All the negative stuff I was saying at dinner. All the complications the people I had around me were eventually going to put me in a position to be tripped Among the thorns, some seed fell among the thorns and grew in stocks. Grain came up and choked it out. Some respond to the word of God. They grow for a while, but are choked out and stopped in their spiritual growth by competition from unspiritual things. The soil represents fertile ground for the world. But sometimes the soil in those cases is so fertile that it causes everything to grow. Because it grows, all sorts of other things choke out the word of God. Namely, it's the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches that choke out the word. But good ground is that seed falling on good ground would bring forth a crop that would bring forth great gain to our lives. The soil represents those who received the word and decided to bear fruit. And in good ground they bear 30, 60, and 100 fold. This is the most important thing you will ever learn in the house of God. One last thing the Lord gave me before I came here. I was in my scriptures and the Lord poured into me Acts chapter 3. 
And in Acts chapter 3, we see the, the Bible tells us now Peter and John went up together. It's Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. A certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which was called Beautiful, and asked alms of those who entered the temple. It was not rare for them to be in the temple. I just came back from Columbia. Your pastor went with me to Columbia. And I know he did the same thing I did. There's a lot of poor people in Columbia. I mean, where we would go, there were millions of people living on mountains and just poor, and the nation's poor in some areas, rich in others, poor in others. But as you were going down the street, people from Venezuela had moved in. They were, they, they were escaping Venezuela from the, the social destruction there. And so as we're going, they're on the sides of the streets. They're all over the place. And a lot of these people would just be out by the side of the road, just be by the businesses. You walk into businesses. You walk wherever. I don't know about nobody else. But I think Justin maybe, maybe you did. Maybe you were different than me, but I look away, right? Did you, did you just look right at them, go look in their eyes? Yeah. Uh-uh, man. I, I'm, I'm headed out. You know what I'm saying? How many of you know what I'm talking about? You ever pull up to a stop sign, guys got, I'm hungry for food? And you rolled up the window? <laughs> Nobody's shouting. But you know we do it. Look the other way, talk to your wife. You see him standing there, you know she's going to ask me for food. I don't want to ask you. Oh, Lord, 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 let this light turn green. Lord, let the light turn green. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> All y'all know it's true. You act like y'all saints and everything. That's what happened right here. It's as if they never saw the guy. They're standing there like nothing's ever occurred. They didn't see the guy. They're looking away. They had been looking away. Something different has occurred after the Holy Spirit comes on. Because he said, Jesus said, my words are spirit. And my words are light. And for the church, we have a world that's full of all kinds of hurt. A world that's full of people wanting to kill themselves. A world that's full of people that are discouraged and disgusted. A world that's full of rich people that have nothing. You know, the worst kind of hurt in the world is to be rich and have nothing. You think rich people have it all? They can be the most lonely, devastated people on the planet. Because to have everything and have nothing, there's no satisfaction. You could own everything and have absolutely nothing. And find out that all your wealth and all your privilege and all your achievement meant zero. Because the only thing that has been made in your heart, God made a place for himself. And he will only fill it. They went for prayer. They walked past this guy. They never helped him before. This man had laid there lame. He was just a fixture in this place. The gate was said to be just... Just, just 16, 18 feet high. Nothing but wood. Beautiful. The entrance of it was to be a, a, an exclamation for the, the temple inwards and what was going to be going on beyond. And when you went in, you went through this beautiful gate and sitting there was this messed up person. And he goes and they said they saw him. The Bible says to ask alms that as they entered the temple. And who seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple, asked them alms. And Peter, the Bible says, fastened his eyes upon that man with John and said, you look on us. You know, he wasn't talking about looking for money. Now that man, the Bible says that he got excited because he was going to see what he could get from them. Church, we will have made a big mistake and we will have provided the wrong thing for people if all we provide is an ice cream social. They understood inside of them 
was imparted something that could not just feed him for a day, but feed him for a life. We're getting ready to do prayer for the schools. People have asked me, and, and these guys are always asking me, you know, Pastor, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? The guy in Columbia, he just wants to put everything Let's put bounce houses out. I'm not making fun of him, but this is just, let's put bounce houses out. We'll give away toys. We'll give away goodies. I mean, we can give away money. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Because he's excited. He wants to build his church. He's excited. What can we give him? What can we give him? And this is what I said. Silver and gold. That word, such as I have, it says, such as I have, give I thee, is the word, what I have. <laughs> it was not a comparison of the money to the spirit. It was a lack of comparison. In other words, the world can give you that. There'll be plenty of places passing out book bags. We can give out book bags after the fact. We can do it on another night. I could go to you personally and buy you a book bag. But what I have. I have a Holy Ghost that will keep your daughter from getting pregnant before she gets out of high school. I have a Holy Ghost that will make a difference in, in who the friends are that they're going to have. I have a Holy Ghost spirit. on the, I have the Word of God on the inside of me that will keep them from being in racist teachers' rooms. I have a Holy Ghost on the inside of me. What I have, I don't, I don't need to give you what the world has. That's not what you need. What I have, woo, what I have, I can give to you. Take my hand. Rise up and walk. It wasn't just a meal he provided. It wasn't just a momentary blessing. It was a lifelong change. He went from glory to glory to glory. Because what we have is the word of God. And when we give them the word of God, we make permanent transformation in the lives of people. What I have. What I have. Somebody get up and shout for a minute. Would you stand up? Come on, praise him a little bit. Come on, give him some praise. Everybody in this place, just stand up and give him praise. Come on, give him some praise.